questions about the book and about yourself as well maybe get kind of a look into your mindset because I found um, the book really like helped me a lot kind of get into the right frame of mind for putting my own goals in order and so maybe like for people who I know you you have your your best-selling book and willpower doesn't work and you have TED talks online as well but maybe for some people with an introduction to yourself you might give a brief one sure yeah so we're recording now right yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so my name is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. live in Florida in the U.S. Happy to be here with this great man uh, and uh, his patient. And, um, yeah, so I have uh, five kids. My wife and I adopted three kids from the foster system while we were at Clemson, South Carolina, doing my Ph.D., and then we had some twins. So we got five kids, and yeah, i just done a lot of writing in my life, well, really in the last five years was able to be the top writer at medium.com for a few years and then write willpower doesn't work and now I've written personality isn't permanent and uh, just excited to talk about talk about that the big thing that really drives me is just I've gone through a lot of change in my life and I think that we can all go through a lot of learning and change and that there's a, a higher purpose and meaning to this life and so for me I don't like when people get stuck uh, and I, I and, and and I think all of us get stuck at diff- different stages, and so it, all I'm trying to do is help people to to move forward in the direction they're trying to go. Yeah, I think that's that's a great meaning to have because I was going to ask you like why in particular. I know you wrote willpower doesn't work, and um, but this topic of the the personality isn't permanent. I know like um, you've alluded to in the beginning where you had this kind of it's a comical story almost about you know the online tests you know and uh, reading it I was like oh my god I can't believe people take so much stock in them things but I I do get it because I can see people used to post them the whole time and and uh, really take these things seriously but um is that why you decided that this topic would be a great one to go ask because you came at this one from a few different angles so what what does this book mean to you or why did you pick this specific topic um it wasn't because of the personality tests, to be honest with you. That was not necessarily my big intention, although I've never really believed in personality tests, never cared about them. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a PhD in psychology, and part of what we studied when we were studying that was that tests like Myers-Briggs and all the famous ones, they're, they're totally junk science. They're just not real. <laughs> um, they're basically like horoscopes. And so I thought that was interesting, but that wasn't really why I wrote the book. Um, I was trying to think about... Like there was a quote maybe like a year and a half ago in my mind, and that was the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. I thought that that was a uh, an Einstein quote, but it's just about how in, you know the the way to measure intelligence is how much you can change. There's another quote from a British philosopher. His name's Elaine de Button, and uh, he has a quote that if you're not embarrassed by who you were 12 months ago, you didn't learn enough. Yeah. And so, so there's just some good quotes on my mind, and I was just trying to think about what would be a good next book. And then I read the book called The Body Keeps the Score. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book. No. The Body Keeps the Score is the number one book in the world on trauma. It's a crazy book. But I, there was two ideas in that book that really struck me. One was is that trauma leads people to having a frozen personality. Okay. So basically what it means is that when you have a traumatic experience, your personality gets frozen and stuck in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if, you know, you had a bad experience when you were 10, 15 years old and you haven't recovered and learned from that, then emotionally you're still at that same level. Yeah. Um, and then the other big idea that came from that book that ultimately led me to saying, okay, I need to write a book on personality, <laughs> is that he talked a lot about how uh, trauma leads people to having a lack of imagination. Mm-hmm. They just become really black and white in their thinking, really like, this is just how things are, this is who I am. Whereas imagination and mental and emotional flexibility is how you 
become someone new. And so I was like, okay, I want to write a book about, you know, how to get out of bad patterns, how to increase your imagination and your mental flexibility and psychological flexibility and how to, how to be able to become the person you want to be and explain why personality is the way it is. And so that was kind of what led me to it. Yeah, because there is, like, people do tend to get stuck in a lot of bad habits, don't they? And it's really based totally. on their, their past trauma and things like that. You know, one thing I would have questioned a few times is before coming to the book, because I found as though I found a few answers in the book in terms of, you know, everyone seems to have a past trauma or have some kind of thing that might hold them back, an insecurity from an event in the past. And a lot of times we think maybe maybe we can bury that and just forget about it and just just carry on. And, you know, I think, though, the literature suggests that these things catch up to you. Or like you say, you, you freeze. It's like that if it happened to you as a kid, that part of your personality is always that kid, you know, some percentage of it. And when it can manifest itself later in life, maybe, and, and kind of catch up with you as well. So I do know when you're saying, you know, you bring a lot of concepts of your previous self and your future self and having that conversation between the two and imagining, you know, what that conversation would be like. And I thought that was really intriguing. It's, it's, it's almost, it's a fun exercise as well because you're kind of picturing, you know, it's like I, I read about neuropsychology or neurology a few times where, you know, how you make good decisions is you kind of, you manifest these kind of split personalities in your head and they all make a case for their point and then you side with the victor kind of, let them fight it out. But it is the same kind of concept, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, the, the big, the big, there's several big ahas in the book, but one of the big ahas is that, um, as you're saying, your former self, I mean, one thing that's crazy and it's great is, is that your former self is not an objective fact. It's just how you currently view your former self. Um, memory is not memory is not objective. It's not a filing cabinet. It's it's something that's always reconceived. And so, how you view your former self is is always based on who you currently are in the present. And so, as you change, as you grow, as you evolve as a person, your memory and your relationship with yourself in the past will change. And so. Part of growing and evolving and becoming more emotionally healthy is dealing with the former stuff and, and coming to a conclusion why why it is that way, uh, why, why, why it's still impacting you and maybe starting to get some help from other people uh, or getting some other perspectives or even just, you know, in my case, for example, I had to go and have a lot of conversations with my father who was a drug addict and, uh, you know, and we developed an amazing relationship and through a lot of conversations with him, we've been able to totally reframe, resolve our past. Um, and so, yeah, not, what, what's great about this stuff and with time in general is that not only, you know, can you imagine and design a future self, but you can also rewrite and reframe your former self and, yeah. uh, that your past is not, it's not set in stone. Yeah. And I know you talking about that, you, you know, taking on the, the challenge, I know, like of maybe sitting down with your father and, and making that connection to, to take on and things. It's like, you know, and I also read, I'm probably going to quote a few lines from your book when we're talking. Fine. About Whatever you want to do, brother. I'm just grateful but, you read it. Grateful to be with you. Yeah, it's a great book. And, I, you know, but it, it says that your brain seeks predictability. And I know it's, like you said, that quote is, you know, I think sometimes maybe you do have to put yourself in that awkward or uncomfortable position to kind of gain some meaningful experience as well, don't you? Like, you have to face your dragon is another way of saying it or, or you know coming you know you have to come face to face with it and that's the only way you really do master um you know your old self like you say it's it, your your personality is a mold and you're able to mold it not this old conception that you are your personality and there's only certain <laughs> types of people in the world or nine types of people in the world or any of that because we seem like i know like i've everything i try and learn about you know i find more and more you know differences in like everyone's you know down to people's worth are their identity are their individual fingerprints that are individual irises in their eye like the, the many things that like even our desires or our dreams they're all different we're not just the same just a species with blob of cells who all act the same way we we're specific we're unique in in all ways you know that's why yeah. i, I appreciate it you know yeah no i mean Think about when you're a kid. When you're a kid, you're always having to face the new. You're always facing new experiences and new experience, you know, and having to reshape how you see things. I mean, 
until you get to a certain place where you just start avoiding that. And so, yeah, I mean, I think for most people, personality becomes autopilot, where they're just kind of replaying who they were yesterday rather than intentionally striving for some future version of themselves with future amazing circumstances and freedoms and a life that they want. If you, uh, if you want to transform, you've got to have new, new experiences. You've got to experience new things that open you up to new perspectives and, and new goals and a new identity. And so, yeah, people start avoiding that. And they, they become more black and white in their thinking and, and more dogmatic. And, and so they stop changing and evolving and growing. But if you, if you keep having new experiences <laughs> and uh, opening yourself to new things, then you're going to keep evolving and changing and growing. And you don't ever have to stop doing that. People just, as a rule, kind of become lazy about it. They don't want to deal with the emotions of change. They don't want to have to rethink their whole view of themselves in the world. But I think that's just a healthy process that you can do on a daily basis. Rather than ever getting stuck, you can just have it, you know, for me, I journal every morning and I'm always revising my identity. You know, like your identity is a story that you tell about yourself. And it's something you can continually be the, the shaper of every single day. It doesn't have to be, it shouldn't be something that just happens on extreme occasions once every five or six years. It's it should be an ongoing process where you're refining and becoming the person you want to be, whereas most people, they've, they've stopped being intentional and thoughtful about who they are, and so they're just living on autopilot. Yeah, and I know you say the emotions of, of changing your experiences, but a big emotion of that, I guess, is fear as well, isn't it? And, you know, say if you're, an example, going for a new job, or you're not sure, changing an industry, or and you're fearful, and you might misconceive that as a good feeling, or oh, like, my gut's telling me not to go, but really, it's, you have to push through that, don't you, like, or even a challenge where, you know, say, you want to get out and run, and, or, or something like that, and you think, oh, I'm a bit sore, I don't, I don't think I'm really built for that, or, you know, it's just all the fear of change, really, that govern us in a lot of ways, but I wanted to ask, like, you know, if someone was to sit down and to write out, to kind of realistically predict, you know, their maximum potential, you know, should we set a limit on that? When you're journaling, would you set a limit based on your own skills or do we set limits on these things? Um, well, I would just say that your current perspective of your potential should hopefully be replaced in the future with a better perspective of your potential. So your potential is based on your current perspective. Right. Uh, it's also based on your context, your environment, your situation. But, but your potential is not... Uh, objective. Your potential is always fluctuating. It's flexible. And so uh, I do think we, you know, I do think you should set a vision. And I think right now you and I both have a, a, a cap on what we think we can become. But as we grow, as we develop, as we learn new things, as we have more powerful experiences, hopefully both of us have that cap blown off and we realize we can become a lot more than we currently are. Yeah. Yeah. And I know and I a lot of that comes from confidence and imagination and flexibility and experiences. But yeah, what were you going to say? So, you know, as well, I think that, you know, you make a great point in saying, you know, the more you can, and I have to quote somewhere, but the more you, you basically a case for reading more, the more knowledge you have, the more, you know, potential, the more things you learn. Um, and I think that's, that's, you know, it's a great indication on, you know, mental sharpening or keeping yourself mentally fit in that way. And actually, like while I was on, you know, this podcast is called Train Thought and Truth. And. Usually what I would do was, you know, if I get a guest on, you usually they'd have a lot more experience than me, like is the case. And I'd ask them, you know, the train thought and truth, the reason I, I named it that was because I thought that my own mantra for a while was kind of keeping yourself physically and mentally sharp. And then a few years ago, I added the kind of spiritual level to it because I found that was becoming very important, you know, my own faith. And uh, it was just aligning like my my, men, my physical health was helping my mental health, my spiritual health was helping, you know, intertwining, and when I built up on these three things, so sometimes I run the guests through these three concepts and see where they are in their own state, and if that's okay, I might ask you. Whatever you, you want, man, I'm on your show. Great to be here. It's your show, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> but the, the training, first of all, because I know, I, I heard that you were actually, it's the physical side of things, you're training for an Ironman at the moment, actually. Like, can you talk me through what what made this is an extreme event, you know? And uh, like, what what made you go for that? Because I know you have the five kids, and you know, I can imagine that's like extremely hard to. How do you put your time into such a you know demanding event? Yeah, I mean, truth is, is uh, me and my friend kind of decided to do it on a whim. 
we just he's he, he used to be a professional cyclist i've done a marathon before and like we just decided like let's just do something crazy let's sign up for something that's like a year ago uh and um you know i so i i, I can make time for it i mean I, although i have five kids like i can go running or whatever at like four in the morning you know and like have it not impede my life um but given the constraints of my five kids and my life and that I have much higher priorities than this Iron Man, like I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna train at the level I would if I didn't have five kids. You know, it it, it, it drops on my priority list. But for me it's a fun way to um you know, it, it for so many years I've been doing weightlifting, you know, and, and I love weightlifting and I love high intensity training. But this is just a shift. It's novel. It's it that again. A novelty is key. Is it's just something new and fresh, and it and it builds different muscles in my brain and my body. So, to me, it's just a great way to just train myself in a new and kind of gamified way. Yeah, and I know, like I was the same last year. I was doing a lot of weights, and I wasn't really going anywhere else. And I started running. Um, funny enough, like um, yeah, I started running and started doing a bit more cycling and, and hill running and stuff like that. I found that the different exercises really does help. This is why I tie in the mental and physical. You know, it just you know you clear your thoughts. You know, you um, you just put things together better. You know, you're obviously breathing in more oxidized air, and they say that pumps more oxidized blood to your organs and keeps you fresher, and you sleep better. All these kind of things. But also, I found the diet changing my diet helped me an awful lot. Would you have like a, a routine in terms of a morning exercise routine and a, a specific diet you would stick to? I'd be interested in your diet, but uh, I'm actually going through a total reshaping of mine. I've got a, you know, my diet's never been totally bad, but it's never been optimal. And uh, last week I got totally sick, like a stomach flu. And I, and uh, right now I'm totally just water fasting because nice. I'm going to need to uh, really make sure my diet's just laser sharp because I'm wanting to have longevity and stuff. But, you know, try to avoid things like wheat, you know, and like... Um, dairy and like sugar and you know refined sugar and stuff that's just obviously bad um but you know i'm still trying to figure out my diet to be honest with you i want to i want to have a really clean powerful diet I, I drink a ton of water i probably drink a gallon or two a day um exercise daily so oh, what's your diet yeah well like i i tell you what see i kind of and i wanted to talk to you about this because it alludes to a lot of your stories in your book you know, I was, I thought I was dieting and, and exercising well last year. I, I work in an office um, and I kind of was, you know, just kind of keeping myself active. I was tipping away four times, kind of going to the gym and things like that a week. But um, I did find that I had a crash for a big event. Oh, wow. I ended up shattering my collarbone. I had to get it plated up uh, the week before the event. And it, set, it let me sit in at home last year for a long time. And I had just kicked off this podcast and I wasn't sure about a few things, but it gave me that time where I kind of put myself back together and I, I was able to put more of a kind of a global reach on this, even though it's only kicking off. Um, and I looked at putting the bike in the shed and get into running. And a few friends of mine, is one of the friends in the army, he's a personal trainer in the army, he's a corporal. And he says to me that, um, look, I'm going to do this intermittent fasting. And I said, it sounds a bit extreme. I don't know. I've seen a few Joe Rogan things on it. I've seen a few TED Talks on it, funny enough. And uh, I said, I'll give it a go. Because because I had the Train Time True podcast, that I could at least do a few diets and put them out there and tell people the honest results of what I was getting, you know, whether it was good or bad. So a couple of things that what I did do. I did the vegan diet for a month. I did um, a few bits like that. I started running. Um, running while fasted in a fasted state and trying that and it really benefited me massively but what i did similar to what you're saying is i i do i fast every day now now some weekends for how long so i do 18 18 6 so 18 hours fasted six hours eating window and the weekends what do you eat while you're in that window well um well i eat usually i would eat um I've, I've taken a lot of dairy on my diet, so um, if I'm eating porridge, I'd usually have it with like a soy or an almond milk, um, and I have a lot of fruit, apples, bananas, and it's usually like two solid meals and a snack in between. Um, so really, like I try more beans and um, like, you know, um, eggs, a few things that I know that is dairy, but I don't, I don't yeah, really no, eggs are great, eggs are great. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, and and stuff like that. so. I I I find I'm, I'm good enough with that. I'm not mad strict on what I eat, but I do watch my intake in in milk and cheese and things like that. And and meat. I used to have to have meat every day, you know, twice a day, and all my meals had to be the main thing. And and I don't really need it anymore. I have it. I have it if it's there, but I don't need to have it with me. And I find myself way lighter running, you know. And uh, I dropped like. I, I dropped like four, three, three or four stone, but kept my muscle mass while doing it, and I'm sleeping way better. And you know, I posted stuff online saying, "Look, to be honest with you, you know, this is really, honestly, all I found." And I went from barely able to run three kilometers to I did a half marathon, you know, di- this week gone, and that was only in the space of four months, you know. So I found it really helped me an awful lot, you know. How was but, your time on your half marathon? How'd you feel? You know, it's 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 funny because I also do a strength and conditioning course in college, and um, you know, they, I did this VO2 max testing. They put the respirator on, they make you run, and how how much oxygen you can break down on a cellular level in your body. And they said to me, "What you do to increase that is go and run, but only run up to sixty percent of your heart rate, your max heart rate." He said, "So it's going to be slow. So your max heart rate is two twenty minus your age. So mine's one eighty eight. So I have to run only up to 152 heart rate and keep an eye on it. And it, it's like a triangle. He says, you know, you, the, the wider you build the bottom of the fitness, the higher up the peak. And so I've been going out and running slowly, thinking, you know, your body wants to go faster. But I did a race this weekend after doing that for two weeks. And my, I got my personal best 5 and 10K. And, you know, it's really dramatically helped me, you know, that my awesome. aim. Yeah. So, like, I, I do think that that's great. Like, and. Uh, but I still can't imagine doing an Ironman. <laughs> I, I mean, I can imagine it now a little bit more and more, but I uh, haven't done it yet. So it's still way out of my league, man. It's uh, it's above my current self. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, you know, I was really reading something quite interesting, uh, you know, that IQ, they say the, your IQ can diminish. There's no way to increase your IQ scientifically on a method. But exercise keeps your IQ, to maintains it to a larger degree because you're pumping oxygenated blood to the brain and i thought that was an interesting fact you know i picked up along the way thought it was great yeah i mean iq is one thing intelligence is another i think there's yeah. diff- way different ways to explain intelligence you know whether it's emotional intelligence you know cognitive ability i think that intelligence can ch- can change you know as you learn new things develop new models i think you can become a more intelligent person mm-hmm. yeah so I-, I prefer intelligence over iq yeah, that's pretty true. And in terms of that, getting into the mental health side of things, you know, uh, I know, well, how, how many books would you say you go through? Or do you, do you how do you keep your mind sharp? Would you, would you listen to many audio books? Would you, um, I know you've been doing an awful lot of study and getting your doctor in the last few years. Yeah, I listen to audio books and write in my journal. And, um, you know, my kids keep my mind sharp. I mean, just my life keeps my mind sharp. My goals keep my mind sharp. Writing keeps my mind sharp my collaborations do, but I, I read books. Books really do help me out. And I, uh, I love listening. I listen to probably a book or two a week. Would you? Yeah. Go on walk. What? Go on walks yeah. and listen to books. Uh, and would you say you, you would release an audio version of, of this book? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. This book will definitely have an audio book. It's got to. Yeah. Cause I think that's, you know, that's a revolution there at the audio books, isn't it? That's how people, people obviously not have the time for, for reading and sit down to read, but, like I commute two hours a day, and that's how I get all my my reading done is the audiobook, you know, and even walking, like you said, or going for a run, you know, and that you know that kind of leads on to as well. Like, what do you think? When you you personally, what would motivate you in terms of, you know, I, I talk about truth a lot. You know, the 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 training task that's the mental and physical. The truth in terms of, it's like um, what keeps people motivated. What's their truth in terms? all keeps them going in life you know mine personally is like my faith and um, it's built a lot and just living for my kids and, and things like that but what would it be to you that keeps you progressing forward yeah i think my faith is a huge aspect of it as well and just you know I, i'm a big believer that you can that truth can be found in many places whether it's science whether it's religion whether it's philosophy whether it's and so uh you know i, I do love truth and having a sense of purpose and having a sense of faith and you know god and purpose um so yeah i definitely you know believe in truth believe we can find and and be transformed through truth and that our job is to to uh find and live truth 
Yeah. And because I do know, I'm reading part of your book where you said, you know, at, at age 20, you're a community college dropout, playing video games, no job, sleeping on your cousin's couch. And uh, then you go to say, you wanted to go become uh, a missionary. And, you know, it kind of took me off guard. I was kind of like, wow, I didn't see that line coming almost, you know. And then, you know, to put it, I wanted to see, because the, you know, what what made you go down that way? I know you, have you, was your family always faith orientated? Um, Not always, no. I mean, I grew up, you know, with faith and in religion and stuff like that. And then when my parents got divorced, they both kind of both went separate ways and we didn't really have any faith in our lives. And I, I felt a huge thing missing. I, I, I personally get a lot of uh, joy out of having a connection with God and kind of having a sense that my life has purpose, meaning, connection, direction. Uh, to me, it's more of a daily relationship. And so when, when we were like, when I was 11 years old and we stopped kind of having that be a part of our lives and kind of our lives became a lot more chaotic and messy, I, I felt a huge thing missing for me, you know, a more spiritual dimension. And so that was, you know, when after high school and just bored and not doing anything with myself, I just felt like, you know, I feel, I, I feel like my life's going to go a pretty negative track unless I figure this out. And so I decided, you know, church mission would be an amazing opportunity to kind of re, you know, reconnect with myself, recreate myself, find a higher sense of purpose in life. And, you know, as I state many times in the book, pur- purpose trumps personality, you know, so purpose Purpose is a far more powerful thing, and your purpose could and should shape your personality. So, um, you know, I, I think that we're here to learn and transform and grow. So. Yeah. And what would you say, like, in a lot of ways, you know, that that, that like, I, I've said uh, that, that, was, that was the missing link, I think, with, you know, the mental and the physical for me. You know, do you think there's, like, I've added that in, and some people have said to me, why, why did you add that in? This is not a fitness podcast. I said, no, it's, it's, it's a wellness podcast, maybe, more overall. I'm still trying to figure exactly. It's hard to nail down sometimes um, exactly. And it will keep evolving for you. I mean, what, what the opening quote of my book is, is a painting is never finished. It only ends in interesting places. Yeah. So your podcast is never finished. It's just going to keep evolving and changing. And you know, and, and what's very good about your your book as well, you know, the whole journaling idea is, you know, to specifically aim at something and, and write out. And I have been trying to do that and shaping it a lot more because it's good to know where you're going or where you want to go, really, instead of letting things just roll on. Because I think, you know, you, you might get anywhere if you just let things roll on. Well, if you're letting things roll on, then your personality is on autopilot. And it's from the past, and that's why it's predictable. That's why you keep showing up the same way. But if you're living with intention towards a specific goal, towards a desired future self, you know, then you've got to create experiences and act in ways that are different from who you used to be. Then you're not just rolling on. Then you're not just on autopilot. You've got to actually be a different version of you if you're going to pursue something intentionally and thoughtfully about who you want to be. So that's, yeah. that's a better way to live because then your life ends up becoming more purposeful and thoughtful rather than just, oh, you keep showing up the same way you always have. And, you know, you, yeah, so, I mean, I think it's a lot more powerful to create the life you want, which we all have the power and capability to do. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, it's, it's true, like, you know, and, you know, funny, you know, I was reading, you know, about what you're talking about, what we said about burying the past and move on. And I, the reason why I got that, that answer to that question was when I was reading about you were calling how your son had the glass in his heel, the story of that. And instead of facing that momentary pain that he knew would, you know, ha- make everything better, he, he decided to try and run around on the side of his heel and, and go around. And then you, you, you talk about the untethered soul the Michael Singer's book where the woman had the, the, the thorn in her side and she was making, creating the life around the thorn. You know, and I just thought it was the perfect metaphor for what that is. You know, people trying to bury their past and they're trying to stay away from that that part that they're fearful of. You know, um, and I thought that that was that was when it kind of clicked for me. Is that that's that is the perfect metaphor of of what that is. You know, it's the perfect yeah. metaphor for how most people's personality is. Most per- people's personality is, you know, the avoidance of their thorns or their avoidance of the glass in their feet, and they're kind of walking around with a with a limp rather than just pulling it out and deciding where they want to go, they're just awkwardly dealing with the problems of their past or the situations they're in and just saying, well, I guess this is what I've got. <laughs> but you can pull it out, you can change, you can throw shoes on, you can, depends on what you want. But, uh, 
you know, people just settle for the dang situation they're in. Yeah. And, you know, it's like the, I, I found there's a big mental barrier as well. I think even like you can align this with fitness because I know this time last year, a friend of mine, that same guy in the army, you know, I said, I can't do a 5K without stopping. He says, okay, get your shoes on. You're going to run with me today and we're going to do the 5K without stopping. And, uh, of course, I winged through it. And uh, when we got to the end of it, I did it. But then the next day I did it by myself. And it was like a broken mental barrier. And yeah. it's funny. You got help with someone else. Yeah. But like even like he'd help me. But it's like because I pushed through it, then I realized my body could do it. And it was like yeah. all along my, my mind was holding me back. And um, It's true of all of it. Yeah. It's, it's so funny how these things are linked, aren't they? Like your whole, your mind can make your body further. But really, it's it's a, it's you, you. Sometimes when you separate it, almost you just keep going. You know, you can just run on. But um, I think that's you know when you're talking about, you often see in these you know TV transformation shows where the people go out and they do a run their first day, and they get very emotional. It's like something you know comes from deep down and they they manifest that and they're in tears. But it's always that's like almost the same thing confronting what was deep inside them. It's like pulling it out of them almost. It, that seems to be the case, doesn't it? It's like your friend on the, doing the hike. What was her name? Um, in the book also where she changed, she completely changed her, um, she was a successful businesswoman who now helps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vanessa O'Brien. Yeah. yeah. I think extreme physical challenges can really open you up emotionally. Yeah. Maybe you might find that in your <laughs> another one, another level of. I mean, I did find that with my marathon back when I was 19 years old. You know, back when I was running a lot. That's, I think, what really kind of opened me up to letting a lot of things go and then deciding to go on a mission. So I think with this thing, I think it's good to push yourself physically. You know, there's a really good poem that I love: "Good timber does not grow with ease. The stronger wind, the stronger trees. The further sky, greater length. The more the storm, the more the strength." Um, so, so the idea is, you know good, you know, powerful trees, they don't shoot deep roots down in easy situations, you know, they need extreme conditions, and so putting your physical body through intense challenges really, it helps you mentally and emotionally. Yeah, and it seems to be... You gotta learn how to deal with it. Yeah, it seems to be the same, it's like, it's like a practice room for, because you do the same thing when you take on, like you sitting down with your father, it's still that pushing you I don't know if I can do this and then when you break through it then it's the other side it's like you break through the wall that they talk about and I guess it's the same it's the marathon wall that they talk about when you hit it um, and I wanted to say you know I wanted to get your perspective on something because this I found this changed personalities and I wanted to get your idea on it and um, there's often you see all these these kind of millions of testimonies of this this happened to me where I was kind of stuck in a world for a while and how I came to my faith was kind of like through an encounter with, say, with Jesus to me, you know. Sure, that's awesome. When I was Great. down, in a way, it happened a few years ago, and to a extent where I was like kind of a, a doubter, and then it happened, and uh, it kind of blew my mind a bit, and it led me down a road of looking to find out evidentially could this be true, and I went over to Israel and all, and I did all these things to try to figure out what was what was going on, and uh but it, it, it just gave me such, the more I learned, the more I got into it and the more um, appreciative of life I was, you know, and the more humble I was, the less I cared about material things. And the, then I then I felt as though, you know, I want to do something like this podcast that could help people either on the physical, mental or spiritual side of things and get great guests on who can maybe to get people might relate to them and pull them out of that. But the more I read about people's testimonies on these things, the more I hear about that whole transformation mentality was, can you kind of put your, like, this is your your field. Can you see, can you tell me what you think is going on there? Is that just a mental thing or is there something more at play there? No, I think that spiritual conversion is a huge way that people change their personality. I think that they change their identity. They change their purpose. They change their goals. You know, one of the things I talk about in the book is, is that your your identity is based on your goals. Your identity is based on your purpose and what you're pursuing. And so when you go through a spiritual conversion, first off, it kind of, re, it often reframes your past. It often allows you to just have your past be redeemed and you're like, you can just let go of, you know, all of the mistakes you made or just the former experiences and you can just kind of say, you know, I've got this or whatever. But it, it also, re, it changes your future. It changes 
who you aspire to be, it changes what you desire to do. And so that changes how you view yourself. So your identity changes and your behavior changes and your goals change. And so all of, you know, I think that all of those things change your personality. <laughs> so so I, I think spiritual conversion is one of the places where you see extreme personality change the most. Yeah, yeah, because I, cause I would say it was extreme personality change. I think like the anger I would have had kind of or would have went away and the resentment or any of them kind of feelings, you know. Um, did you ever go through that kind of situation in, in terms of faith where you were kind of let down and kind of renewed? Or did you always cons- hold a consistently strong faith? Because you're, you're a Mormon, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wouldn't say I've always had a consistently strong faith. Um, but I, uh, I would say that, you know, I've always believed in God. Christ, etc., and that uh, it was always there, even though for a long period of time it was kind of buried. And so uh, I've always kind of felt that sense and that desire. But 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 like everything else, like your muscles, just because you want to have a healthy body doesn't mean you're going to be healthy unless you start going to the gym. You know. Yeah. So I started exercising that faith, started drawing closer to God, started trying to actually, you know, study and learn, learn things like the gospel and other good books. And those things increased my faith, my vision, my knowledge, and my relationship with God. And so those are things I'm continuing to fuel every, every day. And I, I think that faith is huge. I think that just as much as knowledge and expertise in a subject, faith is, is a powerful source for, uh, for achievement and also just for living well and for having meaning and purpose in life. So I yeah. think faith is essential. I think faith is key. Faith really... Uh, it allows you to turn your skills or your knowledge or your goals into something powerful. That's good. Cool. I'm glad to hear you say that because you're just me saying that and the, and the other person like, I think so. <laughs> but, uh, I do think that it is, like it does give you that self-worth, doesn't it? You know, the likes of, you know, everyone has a spark of divinity in them. It, you know, if people who feel bad about themselves, I feel like they're not worth improving. You know, that whole faith can, can give them really, a purpose or give them more meaning in their life you need purpose and meaning and hope in life you know you have to have something to hope for believe in if i mean we all believe in something but yeah i mean i think it gives a life a lot more meaning and purpose and substance and perspective yeah and, and it, there's a lot of just good feelings you end up having yeah and do you think that's why you know your gratitude journaling why it's so important yeah yeah, I think gratitude journaling or just journaling in general is good. But yeah, getting perspective and recognizing, you know, that you have an enormous amount is very helpful for seeing the world in a positive and in a specific way. Yeah. You know, when I was reading your book, you know, I realized I was, you know, by the, by the, by the reach page 30, I was kind of jotting down my phone notes and like statements from the book that I, I really liked and I was pulling out that I could come back to. Then I kind of realized that, you know, I had pages and pages of stuff. You know, I had half the book was on my phone. Then I was like, yeah, you know, maybe this is this is like a book where it's not obviously like a, no, like a novel. You know, it's 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 like how a lot of people read the Bible in terms of they highlight certain key, you know, passages that really stand out to them. And then they go back over it. Would you agree that's a good way of, of you know, reading the book? I think it's the way I read it. Yeah, I tried to write this book so that it was very valuable. You know, this book was, this book took over a year longer to write than my last book. So I refined and refined and refined. And I, I believe that there are thousands of lines in that book that are very useful, that will stick out to you at different times in your life based on what you're dealing with. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's the Bible, but I think, you know, I wrote this book and we chiseled the heck out of it, and we held it to an incredibly high standard. And I think that, I think it's going to sell millions of copies. To be fully honest with you, but I, but, um, but to what you're saying, we really, you know, tried to make every line count. Yeah, at least you know one great thing is like for the end of each section, you have this summary. Or you have these questions that are thrown back at you, you know, and it's kind of like, where where are you going? What would your future self say to you now? And and it's kind of like. You know, you don't just go on to the next page. You have to kind of pause that and say, you know, it's like a thinking exercise mode almost. And that's where your journaling... It's a different way of learning, you know? Yeah, and that's where your journaling could come in from, from the book. That's where I picked it up from because, you know, what you write in the morning, when you write down them key questions at the end of each section, you know, and you meditate on that for a little while, you, 
you, you know, you get answers. It's funny where we get these answers from, you know, sometimes they just, they're always inside, you know, your, your mind, but it's just unlocking them almost, you know. I didn't laugh a lot of running because there's inferences to the subconscious as well in, in this book. And I did, it, it had it led me back into delving into that again because I get blown away every time I look up a fact on the subconscious, you know. You know apparently, we only use 5% of our memory capacity and like the subconscious holds all the rest. You know, it's already there. Some fascinating stuff about the brain that you're going to unlock, isn't there? It's crazy. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Memory, the brain, the body. Um, it's all just amazing. Yeah. What what um, what what goals do you think are, are fundamental to, like, why are the goals so fundamental to your identity? I was going to ask because, you know, your goals, I know we were saying about striving for that future self and um, building that who it is. You know, could people not just, I know a lot of people just sit back at the end of the day, they're tired from work, throw on the TV, forget about where they're going, they're just going through the motions of life. But, you know, why Why are the goals so fundamental to your identity? Of well, well, I mean, with these people who are talking about who just throw themselves on the couch, let's be honest, they have goals. Everyone has goals. Their mm. goal in that case is it could be to pay rent, it could be just to get through the day, but they have goals, even if it's just to watch TV or relax or to lay down. We all have goals. Um and so, you know, to that person, I'd be, I'd be interested, what are you actually trying to accomplish in your life? And if they'd say, I don't really know, or I don't really care. I mean, they are still doing things. If I had said, well, why'd you go to work today? Mm. And I said, well, I got to pay the bills. Okay, so that's your goal. Yeah, okay, so that, yeah. Without, you know, like, if you, if you didn't need to pay the bills, would you go to work? No. Okay, so see, that goal is driving your behavior. You know, so people do things for a reason. Yeah. They, you know, people go to work for a reason. If they didn't have to go to work, they wouldn't. And you know, and so like, there's a reason behind everything we do, and it's it's the it, you become in a powerful position when you start deciding that reason and that goal yourself, and you start to say, this is the person I want to be, and this is what's going to lead me to be. You know, and so that's when your goal shapes your identity intentionally. Most people's goal, you know, most people's identity is not, you know, fully or thoughtfully framed. Yeah. Is, is it, I know that's, you know, that's a goal in their mind, but is it almost a waste of potential in some ways? Like, you know, you know, yeah, like, I mean, it is a huge waste, you know, I'm, we can always update and improve our goals, you know, like it's a huge waste, you know, and we, we, even you and I, we, we could and should improve our goals, you know, and refine and, you know, the goals I have, I'm pursuing right now, hopefully I'm pursuing better goals and different goals in the future. Yeah. Cause I know as well, like the knock on effect is the likes of your kids seeing you, going out and running or going out and you know studying or reading your book or you know you're you're the knock-on effect of even a neighbor or a friend calling by and, and you know you, they seeing you putting together healthy food or doing any of these things you know the I think the ripple effect is so big isn't it you know it's a stone in the pond and how many people can you reach I think we reach far more people than we think you know even people we shrug shoulders with you know it's always like that one line someone says that sticks with you for a long time I think you know that's you know, where you can reach more of your potential or that's why I worry, you know, if, if I don't watch too much of TV now, but as well, I feel, find as though I always have something to do and I prefer that as well, you know, like there's always, it, personally, I know that's a personal opinion or a personal choice, but I, I don't want to waste the potential because sitting down too long on the couch and watching TV doesn't make a great healthy body either and a healthy body doesn't make a great healthy mind i think in my way you know that's that's the way i would construe it and maybe it's wrong but maybe it's it's just the way i think it's all connected i think you're right i think it's all connected yeah seems it seems that way and 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 it's a lot like your environment and what you set up for yourself as well and i know you, you you talk a bit about the environment and setting up your environment and having the right people around you can you explain how how much the environment impacts your personality and effective ways of kind of redesigning that environment or how you go about that. Yeah, I mean, environment is huge, man. And your environment totally shapes your identity and your personality. I mean, that's one of the big things that is shaping who you are, your peer group, your friends, your culture. I mean, so when you change those things, you know, you're, you're going to change a little bit. And uh, if you are intentional about who you want to become, then you become intentional about the environments you put yourself in. So there's a quote from Zig Ziglar, and he said, your input shapes your outlook, and your outlook shapes your output. So your input is, like, let's just say it's the information that comes in, but your input is everything. It could be the food coming in, the information coming in. Uh, everything comes in. 
you absorb and metabolize and it becomes who you are, your mindset, your goals, your philosophies. And so, you know, there's a ton of research that talks about how your peer group determines like your your success in school, work, your income, your your desire to become an entrepreneur, your spirituality, your quality of your marriage. I mean, so, you know, people are big, but uh, also just environment in general. You know, the things you expose yourself to, the information, the media, there's so much stuff out there that's essentially toxic um, that you don't think has an impact, but it actually does. Yeah, and you know, like, sometimes I think we're maybe we're a bit too distracted as well in, in life as well. You know, like sometimes, that's why I think running sometimes, like I always, usually I run with headphones, but you know, I did a, a 10K race yesterday and I didn't bring headphones as a race. And I found the benefit of not having that noise or that distraction. Even though I do, I do know music is scientifically proven to help you go a bit further. But sometimes it's nice, just nice getting outdoors, getting in the air and, and, and being away from them distractions of the radio noise or the social media side of things. Um, and I think that's that's a massive thing. I mean, we're too distracted as a culture these days. Would you agree with that? In you know, we're addicted to the distraction. Totally, way addicted. Yeah, it's too like you know, I know I heard you saying before, like you know, we, obviously we do it for a reason. We look up online things to distract ourselves from the mundaneness of work, or and there is reasons why we do all these things. We don't just do it on autopilot, like you say, you know. And it's funny you talk about Zig Ziglar's um, comments because I did I seen your TED talk where you're talking about your friend Tom who's you know losing the it's weight. It's not my friend Tom. It was a story of Zig Ziglar. That was oh, Tom. Was it? Sorry, that was Zig Ziglar's okay. friend Tom. I said Zig yeah, Ziglar okay. tells this story. Really okay. And story. Yeah, it's a great story. You know, where he goes out and he, you know, he, he puts himself in that. It's like an extension. You know, a lot of it coincides with the book you, you've written as well. You know where. He, he went out and bought clothes for his future self. You know, he was buying the suits. Yeah, he was making investments in his future identity. Yeah, yeah. And he a, became his future self. I mean, I'd, I love this story. It's brilliant. Yeah, and it does sum up, like, what we really should be doing, isn't it? That's the future self and who you should be and you should be. Yeah, out. I mean, buy clothes that your future self would wear. Buy nicer suits. Buy, buy uh, you know, tighter fit clothing that, uh, you know, as a, a, more physique, a more fit person would wear, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like buying the, the pair of jeans one size too small, isn't it? It's like, that's the gold. You know? Well, and then wear them and look idiot, look like a fool in them until you don't. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very true, yeah. And um, I wanted to see, though, are you planning on doing a few more TED Talks with the, with the launch of the book? Yeah, yeah, I mean, not, not, maybe not with the launch, but uh, I'll do TEDs in the future. Yeah, they're great in a way. I think they're really high, like, um, high regard in that way. If you were to to say anything to someone who was stumbling across this, you know, chat where they were kind of stuck in the rut of, you know, say like you, where you're saying your cousin's couch kind of stuck, not knowing what direction. A lot of people, you know, at least, you know, in some way you, you had a, had a, you had always had a goal, you know, you want to do that church mission in certain, in certain ways, but you know, some people are very lost, you know, they're kind of going through a job they don't like. They're not sure if they can get into the fitness side of things, you know, they've let themselves, what they think maybe go a bit too far you know what would be the, the core message that like this book would bring to them yeah yeah uh the, the future can be different and should be different from the past that the past does not dictate your future and that you know you become who you choose to be and that you can make different choices now than you've made in the past and that your future should determine who you are not your past and that the past doesn't have to be a repeating pattern. And also that over time, as you learn and develop and grow as a person, your view of the past is going to change. And so let the past be what it is, but the past is going to change. And and uh, let the future be the dictator of who you are, not your past. So, I mean, uh, we all, you know, there's a good quote from the movie Vanilla Sky. But the quote is, every, every passing minute is another opportunity to change. You know? Yeah. And it's just like, you... But what you have to do then is you got to set a new and a better goal. You got to decide something, and then you got to start working towards that. Even if you start failing towards it, and start using your goal as the dictator. You know, I think the big problem is, is that most people their their goals are based on their current self, their current personality, or their past, rather than having their personality be based on their goals. So, yes. you know, just choose who you want to be and and strive to become that person, and and be consistent with your future, not your past. And if you do that, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. You're going to feel kind of like a fraud or you're going to feel like a loser. You're going to fail. But 
that's what's going to make life a lot more meaningful to you. So there is no rock, you know, there's no time when you can't keep going. So, um, you know, there is always an opportunity to turn around. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great because it is the fear of failure, isn't it? That stops us all kind of even trying to set out and, and, and reach for that aim. Um, look, I really appreciate you coming on then and, and talking to you about, about your book. And I really appreciate, you know, I have to say I love the book. I genuinely do because I don't uh, I don't get a lot of time to read very many books, especially, you know, but um, I, it's one thing that we keep going back to. And what I've picked up from it is setting my own goals personally and the journaling side of things, which I think is great. Um, and I will be recommending it. And it's a uh, personality isn't permanent. And, um, Thank look, you, man. I've, I've loved being on this show. It's been amazing, man. Well, I really appreciate that. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. And I hope that we might cross paths in the future again. I wish you all the I best. I hope we do as well. Yeah, I, hope, I wish you all the best with success with the book and, and the future and everything. Have a beautiful day, brother. Yeah, thanks I very much. I got to bounce, so I'm sorry I got to leave a little early. But uh, thank you for this time, and yeah, let's catch up again. Yeah, it's great. I no, appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thanks, man. Hey, buddy. Mm-hmm.